this third Sunday of Advent, just like the fourth Sunday of Lent, the church invites us to stop for a moment, to pause, and even to rejoice in the midst of what is a penitential season. The assumption is, is we are doing some type of penance during these seasons, and on this third or fourth weekend, we just stop to thank the Lord with joy for the ability to walk in our liturgical way in order to celebrate the divine mysteries which have been laid before us. Our second reading this morning from James gives us our starting point. Really, it's the starting point, I think, for our entire life. So consider a farmer or anyone who plants. If you plant in your yard, you go to the store, you buy seeds. Let's just say with seeds, right? And you look on the little packet and it says pineapple. And you open it and you look at the seed and you say, this does not look like a pineapple. So what do you do? Ask for a refund? Sue the company? You open another packet, it says apples. Same thing. You look at that seed and you say, this looks like the pineapple seed. Not much different. You and I as humans, because of original sin, our minds and our eyes are eclipsed from seeing the whole picture. Especially in our current culture of instant everything, we look at those seeds and we say, no hope. Something's not right. Someone's lying to us. But the farmer is the wise one. He has a greater vision. Not just for that seed and its potential, but all that's going to go into it. After all, he has to toil. He has to work that soil hard. He has to make sure it gets the proper nutrients. Even before we planted the seed. Then once that seed is planted, he needs to take care of it. A farmer has to be extremely patient with a broad vision, which is probably why we don't have as many farmers as we once had. We want to produce them in a laboratory because we can do it instantly. And we probably get greater results, or so we think. Meanwhile, we're all growing three heads, seven arms, and four toes. Something isn't right. We don't like the way God has set things up, and so we take matters into our own hands and try to improve upon what God has done. But the point of a farmer is the point of James. Growth in patience. Be patient. Step back. Look at the greater picture. Isaiah. We've been listening to Isaiah for now three weeks. Don't want to rehash it all over again, but you know the situation that Isaiah is speaking. He's in a very difficult time, the worst time probably for the Israelites ever. One would think it would have been when they were in Egypt, but no, God delivered them from Egypt. One might think it was when they were traversing through the desert. 
and desirous of food. God provided manna. God brought them through the desert. God gave them the Holy Land. They set their feet on the Holy Land, and all of a sudden they think, we have arrived. It's over and done with. Look at what we have done. Now we can get rid of God. And that's exactly what happened. By their approach, by their vision, they are divided. And then the Assyrians come in, take over the north. Then they move into the south. All that's left is the little city of Israel. And then the Babylonians come and they do even worse damage. So it is. And so history continues to repeat itself whenever we do not have the vision. Which is why we're pausing this weekend to try and regrasp it, reclaim it, to step back from our small vision and expand ourselves into the vision that God has for us. Consider John the Baptist. Last week we heard of him. It was just the beginning of his public ministry, standing on the edge of the Jordan. That's where Elijah left us when he was taken up into the clouds. And this new Elijah, John the Baptist, is standing there proclaiming repentance for sins as he washes them clean. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the scribes, all come and he says, show me evidence we're not playing games. I don't know what you do in your religion, but here we're serious. Give me a sign of your repentance. Jesus comes, asks John to baptize him. It's our beautiful little window over here, which is kind of hidden. And John says, what are you talking about? You should be baptizing me. I'm not worthy to untie your sandals. John knows who Jesus is. But Jesus tells him, we have to fulfill the law. Now, a couple chapters later, John confronts Herod because he's in an invalid marriage. He's acting immorally. And being like any open-minded, all-accepting personality that he is, Herod throws him into prison. Because those who are open-minded, those who are accepting of all people's truths, it's all or nothing for them. And so he throws John in prison for calling him out. And here's John in prison, not like our jails today. John doesn't go to the weight room at noon and then take a nap and then go and watch TV or play video games. John's in a dungeon, a dark dungeon, no windows. The goal is to get them deflated, to remove all sense of hope. And so John has been in this prison, dark. Again, like the group that Isaiah is speaking to, hopeless on the verge of despair. In the Catholic world, saints call this the dark night of the soul. And Mother Teresa, probably what most of us would be familiar with, spent 20-some years of feeling like God was ignoring her. But it never stopped her from day and night working for the poor, caring for them inside and out. 
No sleep for her, no rest. She knew that that's what heaven's for. While we're on earth, we have work to do. And she just kept pressing in, even though, spiritually speaking, she was like John in a prison, on the verge of hopelessness and despair. The evil one trying to break her will. And so John sends his disciples, go and find out from Jesus, I need help. I need some, some sense of what I'm doing is right, so I can hang in there. And Jesus tells him, go back and tell him what you see. Isaiah's prophecy is coming to fulfillment. But it's not the way you thought it was, John, so don't believe your eyes. See, what the Lord came to save us from was ourselves, our own small vision. There's more than just this life, which Isaiah was telling his people. Get right with God, man. You're only here on earth for a short time, but eternity is very long. God is going to do a great thing if you open your hearts to it. And he uses this imagery to try and explain what God wants to do to their hearts. Like the desert, there's going to be blossoms and blooms. Typical humans, though, they go out, look out their window. There's the desert. I don't see any blooms. Another lie. The prophet's lying to us again. The church is wrong on this one. They go back into their homes, come out the next day, try it again. But the desert isn't a literal place, at least from Isaiah's perspective. The desert is the human heart. And how do you and I handle the things that come our way in life? Do we become the desert that dries up, becomes hardened, no life is produced? Or when we find ourselves like John in a prison, we allow a blossom to take place because we're open realizing there's something great going on here. If this is happening to good people, something great is happening. Just remember Good Friday. Anyone could have said, ah, what a failure. See, this is why I'm not religious. It's all a joke. It's a failure. And he rose from the dead. His heart was not hardened. He realized, if this can happen to the second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Father's got great things in store. But darkness comes before the sunlight. And so Jesus tells the disciples of John, go back and tell them what you see. Isaiah's prophecy is being fulfilled. The deaf are starting to hear. Does that mean what? They're passing out hearing aids? Those little funnels, it's the heart, people. Do you hear? Do you hear God? The blind see. <laughs> Every five minutes, he's pulling them out again because he can't see. This isn't it. This isn't what it's about. God's not so concerned with my physical vision. He's more concerned with my spiritual vision. And here is a plug a commercial break for millions of Monicas. People, we should be praying for those who have left the church unceasingly.
Take no offense in me, Jesus said. Be patient, James said. If you start to just say, oh well, this is the way things are, your vision is like this. There's more than just this life, and this is what Jesus has come to save us from, to save us for. Whether it's your children, maybe it's your parents who have left the church, or maybe they show up but really aren't here. It's time to start praying, to take Jesus at his word, that he's concerned about the bigger vision, not just the here and now. The here and now is really just the practice for the true game. Let's ask the Holy Spirit this week as we rejoice. And we're rejoicing because God is saying, take a break. You know the story. You know how it ends. Penance is good for you because you need it. Does nothing for God. So let's rejoice. God's got this under control. If you and I are patient, if we open our hearts, lest we become like a desert. <laughs>